Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. There's no off-season. We keep going all the time. Matt Kennerly. And Jeremy Moss, it's me, hanging out to talk uh, about time. Schedule released, finally. Better late than never, right? I don't know, their last last league, so I guess they're late. I don't know. Sure, yeah, why not? (laughs) Well, perfect timing for us, because we needed something to talk about. Exactly, because I didn't even think about it. What are we going to talk about? Because we got the Combine, but it hasn't really started yet as we're recording Thursday night. So if you want Combine stuff... Stick tuned to the website, but uh, nothing's really happened. Maybe a couple of weigh-ins in the, the underwear Olympics, like they call it, cattle prodding, or, mm-hmm. or the hand measurements. That fun stuff. That's about all that's going on. We'll talk about more of that once everything's, you know, all said and done. Next next podcast, and we're going to probably have a guest uh, just, um, oh shoot, not not just a Michael, um. I'm not even. I I can't believe her his name. He's from USA Draft Wire. We had him on before. Yeah, it's the same name. It's Justin. Are they both Justin Michael? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. He's just. Oh, I should know Justin. Name's gonna kill me. Justin underscore M on Twitter. He does stuff at Draft Wire. He chatted with uh, Van Der Ash. He's chatted with quite a few people. I want to say it's the same name. I want to say. I I really want to believe it. No, Justin Mello. Sorry, close enough. Sorry. Apologies. Same same last initial. Justin, close enough, close enough. Justin M. Ello, if you're listening, I apologize. <laughs> One cool thing I noticed, um, we might get this little twerk on our, or not twerk, but update on our website, which is, by the way, mwwire.com. We cover the Mountain West. And if you happen to listen, or not listen, but um, find out on Twitter about us talking about random Mountain West expansion. We've had a lot of new uh, visitors, and you found this as well. Thank you. But what cool little um, we don't get the we get the, we usually get the cool stuff from USA Today. We don't get everything quite yet. But if you go to the DraftWire website, which I highly recommend because it's fun and exciting, and Luke Easterling and all these other guys do great things, they now have a notification thing. So if there's a new article, you get a notification on your desktop or mobile phone, not an app. Very cool. So it's like uh, a lot of websites are doing that. So if you want to get notification about draft stuff, just say yes, and maybe maybe they'll come trickle down to us. Perhaps. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Hey, because you want to be notified 24-7 when we have those um, hot baseball takes each week with uh, our good buddy Don. And, or basketball, because we got a tournament coming up. But here's what we're doing tonight. We'll get all that stuff out of the way, because I'm just... Who, who cares what we're doing? Combine. I have one combine take I want to talk to you about, Matt. Okay. Here's the headline. It's about my favorite quarterback, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. This is the headline on... It's, it's over at Pro Football Talk. Um, do you have like Matt? Have you ever heard of a combine coach? Um. <laughs> well, I mean, I've heard of coaches at the combine. I've heard of them, you know, giving interviews with really strange questions and things like that. But I'm guessing that's not what you're referring to. Now, this guy's Ryan Flattery, or F- F- yeah, Flair- no, Flaherty. Excuse me. 
He's a sports performance coach who's worked with many NFL of NFL's top quarterbacks. It was on NFL Network on Thursday. Title. Combine coach, colon. Josh Allen can throw football 90 yards at seven, and, and 70 miles per hour. Okay. <laughs> Is he going to be able to do that under pressure? Is he going to be able to do that with a, with a man in his face? I don't understand. I mean, yeah, these kinds of things are like, you know, a little neat in, in a vacuum. But, you know, let's not pretend that it has any usefulness whatsoever. The 90, 90 yards, okay, hell Mary, if you're going to, if you need a strong arm guy to go from your own 30, sure. But it's still just chucking it. I'm think, I think every NFL quarterback can throw it 70 yards in the air. Well, think. yeah, if you, if you give them, like, one or two steps and, like, absolutely yeah. no no pressure whatsoever, yeah. yeah. Now, like, that's impre- it's impressive. But I think he also pitched. I think Josh Allen was a – well, I know for a fact he played multiple sports in high school. May, one of those may have been baseball. I know one was, a, I think, a point guard or small forward for his basketball team. But here's the exact quote. Josh Allen has one of the most gifted – excuse me. Let me – I cannot leave out the adjective. Incredibly gifted – Arms I've seen in my life, and I've been around a lot of quarterbacks, as um, Coach said. He'll break the record of miles per hour at the Combine. He'll go high 60s. I think the record's 66 or something. I think he'll get to 69, 70 miles an hour. And just wait till his pro day. He'll throw the ball 89 or 90 yards. How do you go 89 or 90? It's... <laughs> well, I mean, the pro day is in Laramie, and Laramie is 7,000 feet above sea level. And, you know. They can pump the ball with helium? A little, little less air resistance up there i i me and um michael david smith the pro football talk made the same joke i'm like um it's like he's a uncle rico 2.0 <laughs> yeah maybe he and probably it, could throw it over that mountain a quarter mile over the mountain because 90 yards is um it's still what what's a mile 2,000 yards a mile is a mile is 5,280 feet it's at 2,700 yards about yeah, divide divide that by three. It's about twenty seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. So he's about uh, whatever small percentage that is. But I made the joke. They put a picture of him in the uh, article. But it's like again, it's like him throwing, like him throwing from his knees fifty yards out to hit the crossbar. Where the obvious joke was somebody. I think it's you or somebody made that's supposed to be five yard out. Yeah, I mean you can make the same joke again here. Like, what did they mention that it was sixty yards over the receiver's head? <laughs> it's. Interesting fact, but, like, who, like, I'm not surprised, like, I've always joked around, like, when I covered BYU, Taysom Hill, he just, he just rock, it's like a rocket for an arm, he has no touch whatsoever. Allen has a little bit more touch, he's shown some, but it's like, it's just one of those stats, like, okay, cool, how is that, like, how is that relevant or useful or practical? Yeah, I mean, if you want to hit a receiver in the hands, you maybe don't want to do it at, like, what, however... Freeway miles speed. Per hour you can Free, throw it. Yeah. Freeway speed. Come on. That that would that exactly. would that would triple the school the speed limit in the school zone. He'd get pulled over mm-hmm. for throwing that type of football. It's just I don't buy it. It's like the uh have you seen the video floating around about the guy? He used to be on, I guess, last chance you. He and they said he officially ran like a four one nine. Yes, I, I don't hear about that. I do not buy that for a tenth a tenth of a second. <laughs> That's not they're like, oh it's electronic time. I'm like, no, he's he's gonna run like a four three. Guarantee it. Is he breaking out of the matrix? I don't, I don't know. Is it? It's got a win title. Win 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 assisted four point one nine. I'm like, I don't know. wasn't the record last year? That guy from he's was it the Washington receiver down like a high four one. Um, are you talking referring to John Ross? Yeah, John Ross. 
I can't remember if it was him or Tariq Cohen. I remember um, Tariq Cohen, who was the Bears rookie running back. He ran a really fast time as well. John Rush went a 4.22. I mean, it doesn't really matter because I'm pretty sure Daryl Green could come out of retirement and still run a 4.2 if he really wanted to. Or the myth about Deion Sanders running a 4.1 in in, uh, what did he do, uh, boots or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, I forget, what, I forget the exact thing, but it's like, really? No, that's not going to happen. But I guarantee that guy will find his name. He's not going to break. He's not going to, if he goes to 425, I'd be shocked. Did you also note that apparently Josh Allen has the largest hands of any of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft? You're a legit quarterback. He had the big hands. I guess so. He's 6'4, big hands. What's his hand size? 10 inches or so? It was 10 and 1 eighths. You know, and if you compare that to other quarterbacks, you know, Josh Rosen, for instance, was next at nine and seven eighths, and Baker Mayfield, it, you know, came in last among the top five at nine and a quarter. So, make of that what you will. Where's Lamar Jackson though? He apparently um, Lamar Jackson's at nine and a half. It's uh, oh, one thing I want to mention too, not to bash on this, but uh, Lamar Jackson's completion percentage isn't all that great. It's in the same neighborhood as uh, Josh Allen. Mel Kuyper's most recent um, teleconference said, "Yeah, he just misses some layups. It's he, he, it's like bashing Lamar Jackson, who actually has a one percent better college completion percentage than Josh Allen. It's like be consistent or his fake, not fake, but um, inaccurate about Matt Stafford. You like you hear about that about oh, he's gonna be like Matt Stafford. He didn't have a great completion percentage, but at least Stafford upped it to like above sixty percent this final year." Because he was like, yeah, and all, and also Lamar Jackson improved his numbers pretty much across the board from his freshman to his sophomore to his junior year. Exactly. Oh, here, here's where I got it from. If you have the subscription to Athletic, go read Stu Mandel's piece about Josh Allen and Lamar, or just Josh Allen in general about him and quarterbacks. It's a great read because he mentioned certain statistics, not just that, but like at some points, like you got to be better than size. Because he kind of mentioned, oh, Deshaun Watson, is he really going to be an NFL quarterback? He did great for the Texans early on. And so if you if you have a subscription, go read that. But it's great stuff. Then Ian Boyd of uh, Football Study Hall did something pretty good as well. But just go read both those things. Excuse me. They're kind of on my point a little bit where you've heard me say enough. Like, he has to have more than size and all that fun stuff. But if you don't – I would get the athletic just to read this article because it's really good. So – borrow a password matt or somebody if you need it and maybe it'll help you out <laughs> yeah and by the way maybe one more combine note rashad penny apparently weighed in at 220 pounds Ooh, there you go that's you know that and but you know you keep on that size with the speed that we know that he has you know there's still the discussion about whether he's a day one or a day two pick but i think that whoever ends up taking him is going to be happy either way he told I forget who it was. Somebody to combine. He believes he's a top five pick, which makes sense, or top five running back. I should say. Sorry. Um, so there's that. There's also one other thing about, uh, about him and uh, Saquon Barkley. Where was he? I found the tweet about yards after contact. I think it was. Did you see that? I have, and I've seen you know the San Diego State fans and the Penn State fans bickering back and forth about it. <laughs> so YPC yards per carry when contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage. Which means a couple things. Um, it could mean you have a bad off- a bad offensive line if you're contacted at that behind that point. Which maybe, but that's if you only could go super deep, that could be part of it too. Okay, when Penny or when Barkley is touched at that point, point four six yards. That um, that's like a foot, right? Maybe. <laughs> uh, at least, yeah. 
Penny, 3.32 yards. Number one of all the running backs, Barkley's 57 of 58. Yeah, that's just, you know, you know, power five teams being bitter. Yeah, it's just like if, you, if you're not sure how to compute that, it's basically um, if a team has a good pass, or not pass rush, but a run, run-stopping run linebacker, defensive tackle gets past your offensive line, a lot of running backs get hit at some point behind or at the line of scrimmage. Basically means when he gets it, he keeps going. It's like uh, – I don't want to say it's like Barry Sanders, but if you ever watched Barry Sanders back in the day, he'd get hit but keep going and going and going. He doesn't stop. This is a couple of things of like Penny being patient a little bit. Oh, he gets hit. He could, well, I guess not patient if you're getting hit, but he could find the way to the path to get around, to go. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it does help he's a little bit smaller in size, not like his stature is good at 220, but his height overall is not overly impressive for running back. He's still under six feet, but his, like when I talked to, um, I talk with Jonah Toll is like, well, yeah, he's shorter, but he has the stoutness. Where, like you said, two twenty and five ten or something, that's great. Mm-hmm. But that's impressive. Three and a half yard, almost three and a half yards when he's touched behind the line of scrimmage. Like that's him doing all the work. I mean, when Barkley gets touched, he basically falls forward and gets tackled. Yeah, I mean, I've never really understood the hype about Saquon Barkley. If we're being totally honest, he's a good player. But he's fine. I don't think he's better than Rashad Penny. But he plays for Penn State, Matt. He plays against better defenses every week. He yeah, had, whatever. He had that one kick return for touchdown or something. Oh, the one. I don't know. Okay. He had, I think he had a couple, <laughs> but he, he's good. But I don't, like, I'm not going to say Penny should be the best back or is the best back, but, like, I don't have draft rankings in front of me, but I think he's better than Barkley. Like, I know he, the competition is a legit factor a little bit for numbers, but he had six games of 200-plus yards. Six. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you can't ignore the production. And, you know, some teams are already figuring out that there's a lot behind the production. It's like, honestly, I probably would say Bryce Love would be the best back, but he's not coming out. Mm-hmm. Like, Barkley, or Love, seven, eight yards per carry. Petty, 7.78. Like, true freshman Jonathan Taylor, 6.61 Wisconsin. Like, where's, uh, like, even Dice Bay St. Juice had a better yards per carry average than good old Penn State running back, uh, Saquon Barkley. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Come at me, Penn State fans. What do you got? <laughs> he averaged a solid 5.86 yards per carry. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. But it's, and apparently, apparently Leighton Vander Ash also bulked up a little bit. Oh, that's right. He's Yeah, he's uh, – what's he at now? Do you have that measurements? Uh, according to Jay Tust uh, up in Boise, he played at 240 during his last year at Boise State. He is now at 254. Oh boy, it's pretty good. And also, if one more quick thing, go to uh, plug Draftwire again. Um, Justin <laughs> Crap Mello interviewed Vander Esch. Really good stuff. So go check that out too. But it's like it's he's going to be a guy where like every at a high school he's like oh he's under undersized. Came to the boys say oh you're undersized. You can't do this. Can't do that. Defensive player of the year two fifteen come out of high school. Now he's about two two forty five. So, it's he could be like, like we mentioned last week. There could be at least two first round picks, maybe four if things extremely go well. Well, and and not to leave you know Michael Gallup out of it, but did you also note that apparently he is Pro Football Focus's top receiver in this year's draft? I did because they had him as a first round pick, I believe, in the, one of their recent mock drafts. Yeah, if I'm reading this correctly, he is the 22nd best overall player. Do you, you know, 
question. A little bit, a little bit above Lamar Jackson, and apparently below Bradley Chubb, who also is really good. Do you happen to purchase the PFF stuff at all? No, not usually. No, we got it. I'm hoping this year happening. I got a free draft guide last year. I'm hoping they'll come through again for us. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? Hey guys, uh, I got the Sam PFF Sam. I got the um, same email address. Send it over. Because they, they send out a blast, like, yeah, we'll come on your radio show, radio show, your podcast. Here's a free draft thing. I'm hoping that may come out soon again. Because even their free stuff is amazing. Like, it's, I follow NFL probably, and we discussed this before. I probably follow NFL a little bit more than you. But, like, the college and stuff, everything they do is amazing. It's, especially during college, you know, they send out the graphics on the tweets. It's just, if you're not following them, you're not doing it right. Exactly. Um, I guess uh, schedule time, I guess, is that where we're going? Yeah, let's do that. Or actually, no, let's hold off on that. Sorry, okay. sorry for the fake tease there, folks. Keep listening. No, um, expansion rumors. What again? They might actually be for real for once. Here's what we're yes. Here's what we're gonna do on this. Um, it's mostly basketball related. So you and myself, uh, we'll discuss a little bit of it. But on Sunday, me and our good buddy Eli Betker will talk um, two podcasts already. You get a lot of podcasts this week and next week with conference tournaments. We'll have our, some sort of a conference tournament preview season wrap-up. Then we'll have a uh, podcast going all in-depth about this um, expansion stuff or realignment with um, a couple guys. We have uh, Will Moppin, who covers West Coast Conference and a Gonzaga fan over at midmajormadness.com. He'll talk about that. And then my good buddy, Mitch Harper, who does stuff for a fellow site, the BYU website, Cougar. Wait, they made him change the name because BYU got pissy with, with him. It's a cougarsportswire.com. So it used to be, I think if you still type in byuwire.com, it works. So, but it, yeah, let's go to cougarsportswire.com. He obviously covers BYU, does stuff for rivals, kind of part of our thing at USA Today. So he'll come on and talk about that because those are two teams that I mentioned. But if you've lived under a rock or if you found our podcast from articles a couple days ago, um, Mark Ziegler, who I give a lot of crap to, but it's actually a pretty good guy, what he does. Broke some news, spoke with Craig Thompson, and I'm kind of surprised it came out this way because it's just kind of, I think it's kind of unique that it came out that it, that he mentioned uh, Gonzaga specifically and then five other schools as well. But normally that stuff, I don't know. Usually Craig Thompson is more open about it, and that it comes out like when there's the uh, there's going to be like some te- press conference or teleconference or gathering during the tournament next week. Typically that stuff comes out then, not like yeah, I'll talk about it to a paper, not or it's either sorry three ways. Well, the weirdest way is what happened. Just, hey, I talked to Craig Thompson. He talked to me on the record about this. Or it's usually like Brett McMurphy or something. Source says Mountain West doing this. Or it's op- more open during like a media day or media week or something. So first off, how surprised were you when this came out the other day that Craig Thompson actually mentioning teams specifically about joining the conference? Well, I mean, normally when you hear anything about expansion rumors from – you know, someone with like a hundred followers on Twitter. Or something oh like yeah. That. There's so, the reach that I had. <laughs> so, you know, I don't usually give it much credence. And then, it, you know, some, most of the time it seems like recently uh, after the fact, you find out that, you know, it was the moves that, the, that the conference didn't make, you know, like bringing Wichita state into the fold as a basketball only member. <sighs> yes. Angry. Yeah. <laughs> But I do think that if Craig Thompson's able to pull this off, that there was, this would, um, you know, be, you know, I think it would be, it would enable basketball fans to forgive Thompson for that particular oversight and then some, because 
you know, I, I honestly don't follow college basketball as closely as you and Eli do. But hey, you know the Zags. But I do know, I do know Gonzaga <laughs> is better than Wichita State. And so if you can get, you know, a premier college, West Coast college basketball team into your conference, if you have the opportunity to do it, you do it. And it's pretty straightforward and, and kind of a no-brainer if you're asking me. You would think. Yeah, you're right. Gonzaga is, past 20 years, I did some research, um, Obviously, NCAA tournament every year. They've had seven or more, no, seven Sweet 16 total appearances plus national title game appearance, runner up, and then a one Elite Eight appearance. So, Wichita State had the undefeated season, went to the Final Four. They had, they're not quite Gonzaga, but they're pretty close, for, at least for the past five years. Like, they had the undefeated regular season. Greg Marshall there, Wichita State, great things. They should have brought them in. That would have been just as big. But we're not going to get, like I said, not going to dive too much into this because we're going to go more into basketball side. But here's what we know Gonzaga could come in as soon as next year, which is crazy because typically you have to have a year plus notice. There's all the, you heard about the Big East, ACC, American stuff about 27 month waiting period. US $30 million. I will see. I don't know how that'll work out, but a couple of key things. Mark Few, the head coach, basketball coach is involved. So if he's involved, you know, it's pretty serious. Oh yeah. And then the other tidbit, like I said, there are six teams total. Only Gonzaga is mentioned which probably means they're the most high-profile team. Um, Gonzaga is known to be a little, like, I guess the past year plus, want to get out of the conference. And there's reasons why they shouldn't leave the conference. I wrote an article on that, but we'll talk more about that with uh, Will Maupin on Sunday to discuss the Gonzaga side. But BYU's not mentioned. However, they want to follow Gonzaga for basketball, which could bring them back to the Mountain West as hoops hold, as a non-football members. Which I'd be fine with. Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with that. Because a couple of reasons, like we'll get to the football side here, but if they're back for basketball, that means maybe they'll play. Because they already got the long-standing rival um, Boise State. They're playing Hawaii. They're going down to UNLV. They have a couple. I think San Diego State's on the future schedule. Things are starting to cool off from what, seven years ago now when they left the conference to as also State to follow University of Utah to not be left behind, even though they're still kind of left behind from Pac-12 money. Mm-hmm. So that could... When they bring them back in the fold for football overall, I, they're making too good money, so I would table that, and that shouldn't be a sticking point. But, so Matt, who are the other five teams? Who do you think, for football-wise? Like, well, like we know Grand Canyon or maybe St. Mary's, but like, who do you think that would be coming for all sports of those five teams? Of those five teams? So who are they again? Only The only one we know is Gonzaga, that's it. So the only one we know is Gonzaga. And BYU's mentioned because... There are sources that I know in, in the article as well that are 100% correct that they would like to follow Gonzaga if they go to a different conference. Because think about it, if they stick in the West Coast Conference with them and St. Mary's, it's like it's like the whack, essentially. That's, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whack. Well, I mean, let's not, I love St. Mary's, though. Let's not, let's not knock St. Mary's well, too much. Well, okay, why do you like St. Mary's? Let's, you said it, so what, what's the case for them? Why? What do they bring? Honestly, what do they bring? They've been writing, my opinion, they've been writing Gonzaga's coattails for the past five years. They've been decent teams, but I think if you look at their schedule, they never leave the state to play non-conference games. They they lose out on tournaments because they don't play anybody out of state and they don't travel out, away from home ever. So that's why I kind of give them a huge red mark. I will freely acknowledge that my my favoritism for St. Mary's is entirely personal because my best friend went to St. Mary's back in high school. That's fair. So, so you know, it my 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 loyalty is basically every year they're in the tournament, I basically pencil them in for a Sweet Sixteen spot when I'm filling in my bracket. It doesn't really go any further than that. 
So you mean you mentioned all these points, and it's like, like okay, yeah, I can see where that no, well, makes they, sense. They, but they wouldn't be a bad team because obviously they're better than in basketball. Is obviously because that's all they play. No football, like San Jose State, Air Force. Probably they'd probably be at worst middle of the pack every year. Like they're probably what um, we they've been ranked this year. They're a good team, but it's just. I don't know. There's just some issues where I don't think they should really belong. They've been fine. They ride Gonzaga's coattails, but they've gotten better with Randy Bennett there. But they would be probably what like Boise State is most years the past five years. So they'd be a good addition for for basketball. But if we like go football because there's eleven hoops teams. Mm-hmm. If you had one, like maybe they just had Gonzaga and they're done with it. That would be fine. Okay, twelve. That's perfect. Go with it. So you're done. Essentially, twelve football, twelve basketball. You're done. But if you can bring BYU back in, bring BYU. But the other five teams, like my thought, maybe New Mexico State can bring back on the table after being declined years ago. Yeah, I mean, possibly because they would, you know, obviously they're more they're more of a draw on the hardwood than they are on the gridiron these days. But you know, if you can throw them a lifeline. Um, yeah, I don't think it would be like, you know, throwing a lifeline to, you know, for instance, San Jose State, which, you know, oh, I want them to be better across the board. But, I mean, let's face it, like they aren't very good at any of the sports that really drive revenue, football, basketball, you know, maybe baseball, if you want to throw that in there. No, their coach got suspended for a game recently. Yeah. Their coach, like, their coach left for terrible reasons, I believe. If you read what, uh, if you just Google what our buddy Don Starks did about their coach left for, I think, some sort of misconduct, but don't quote me on that, but... Interim coach and got suspended this week, so they're not doing too well. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not, you know, it wouldn't be like bringing in, a, you know, a Gonzaga or a Wichita, or, or Wichita State or anything like that. But I think on the whole, it would be, it would make a lot of geographic sense, obviously. It would be a natural rival for New Mexico. And I think if you are considering, you know, the basketball league as a whole, that, you know, they've been pretty solid more often than not and so i think they could step in right away and be very competitive yeah in football they beat utah state in a bowl game they've been actually a little bit better in football so that would be okay okay so if it's them so you got that like new mexico state i'm guessing the other team for me would be it has to be green canyon because that makes sense as for i know it's not football but they're the still i know it's sketchy the for-profit they're trying to um drop that but it's funny there's one basketball game Rush Steinberg's a great follow on Twitter. They're like, if if you can only buy stock in Grand Canyon, it's like, well, you can if you type in the uh, old good old Nasdaq Lopes, you can purchase some Grand Canyon stock. But mm-hmm. like, they're trying to get rid of that moniker, which Pac-12 doesn't like it, other leagues don't like it. But they've been pretty good at basketball, and they have money to build football eventually if they wanted to. So I guess it's them, New Mexico State. Um, I don't know. I, I guess St. Mary's, right? Maybe. Um, UTEP makes a lot of sense for location and historical um, reference or guidelines. So what they used to mean to basically the whole, almost half the mountain West, particularly New Mexico, San Diego state and Colorado state and air force and Wyoming. That's half the league right there. Honestly, though, I feel like it would be that New Mexico state would be a better fit than UTEP just because, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about how New Mexico state has struggled off and on in a lot of the, the sports that drive revenue. You know, UTEP right now is in kind of the same situation where the, you know, by S&P Plus, for instance, they were dead last among all FBS teams. And, you know, so far as I know, I haven't heard anything about the basketball team, but that's probably not a good thing. You Um, know what I mean? No, and Tim Floyd, I think, stepped down early this year. 
Mm-hmm. Former so, I mean, USC coach, if you're familiar with him. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that UTEP, I mean, I think it would make geographic sense, as you said, but for some other reasons, I could see why the Mountain West might be reluctant to throw them that kind of lifeline. Yeah, they've been because they've been pretty bad. Like looking at basketball, like they they've won. They actually won like one year a couple years ago. They beat um, Memphis, I think, to win the CUSA title. Mm-hmm. So like they used to be good. Like when Tim Floyd was there, he used to beat USC, Iowa State, uh, a couple other colleges. Like he was actually Idaho at some point. But like when he's at UTEP for like he quit, he resigned or quit after six games this year. But he was like twenty five, never made NCAA tournament. But was twenty five and ten, eight in three twenty one seasons, a nineteen win season, and it's conference USA solid when they had Memphis in there. There's Houston was okay for a while, some decent teams, but they've been struggling on both sports. Like, have they been better? Like, had this been like two thousand ten or when they talking more about it? Yeah, it'd make more sense. But if you want it athletic wise, it's like what's the point? And then I guess would Idaho be another team, even though they're dropping to FCS for football? Because they've already, Mountain West already rebuffed Idaho and New Mexico State once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Matt, I talked to Eli for basketball, which I'll mention. He mentioned Cal State Bakersfield out of the whack, which would be hoops only, but they've been, they've won, I think they won the whack last year, made a title game and are pretty good. But if we're talking football, like the only football school is probably New Mexico State. But my thinking is if you're at 12, you want to get to 14 because a 13 team like Mac was pretty unwieldy when they had uh, UMass in for a couple years. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't have any particular insights, but I almost wonder if a team like the University of San Diego might make sense. Well, you know, they have a they have a decent basketball team and, you know, they've been pretty competitive in other sports as well. Like, you know, we don't often talk about college baseball on here, but they've made a lot of NCAA tournament appearances this decade, you know, three in the last seven years. So, you know, it's not obviously this is just kind of like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. But, you know, if we're looking for these kind of deep cut teams that maybe they're talking to for basketball and other sports, you know, that might be the case where that makes sense. Yeah, but for, yeah, they do play football, but it's non-scholarship FCS. That's like a huge jump. Yeah. It's well, not, no, I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about oh, basketball. Uh, oh, basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything but football. Oh, okay. I missed that. But, yeah, that can make sense. And if you talk baseball, like Zag is pretty good at baseball. Um, if BYU hops back in, they're pretty good at baseball. They've had guys in the pros and pretty, they'd fit right here at the Mountain West baseball. They wouldn't be any lacking or be left behind or something crazy. But like mm-hmm. the only football team really, like, is it really only New Mexico state? I'm thinking like, but that's only 13, I guess New Mexico state and UTEP, but unless they're going to go to, unless they're, ta- unless we're way out of line, they're talking UTSA, Texas state. Do you know what I mean? Like unless they're going way to Texas, but do you really want a league that goes from Spokane to Austin or Spokane probably. to San Antonio? Probably not. No. So I, 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 I'm drawing a blank of those other five teams. It's like, I get, because ideally it's probably Gonzaga and you're done. 12. If you get BYU 13 in basketball is not a big deal. If you want to go to four, if you're going to do, here's my, here's my thing. Lap. We'll talk more about this basketball, even though we're talking more about this than we probably should on the football show. But the simplest way would be adding either one or three basketball schools to get to 14. Yeah. Then you, cause if, if it's those three, I would, for me, it'd go Gonzaga, BYU and Grand Canyon. You probably know better than I <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know how Gonzaga is basketball. BYU is usually pretty good. You're familiar. And then Grand Canyon's in Phoenix and they want it. They're putting all their money in basketball. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, um, TBD. I don't know if football wise, it's just, uh, Maybe it's nothing. Maybe we're overthinking it. That could happen, right? 
And, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing it develops in the next few days. And you and Eli have more to talk about by the weekend. Possibly. I'm betting during the conference tournament-wise, when me and Eli are both down there, there'll be something more we chat about this with maybe Ziegler and Craig Thompson or whoever. But the last thought on this, um, our buddy uh, Jesse uh, Tackle – or I should know how to say his last name. I should – oh, geez, I don't know. Jesse Tackle, and I'll go with that, hard CH. He wrote an article that I forgot to post – like he said, he said it to me early in the week. He's like, it titles like Dream Mountain West Conference Expansion Scenario. He's like, hey, this Ziegler piece came out. Maybe you should post mine. I'm like, oh crap. So I post it, and it's driven a lot of traffic to our website. So thank you for that. It just goes over a lot, like kind of what we went over, plus more for Olympic sports like Mexico State, St. Mary's, Gonzaga puts out a 16 team conference for football where he mentions like BYU. Um, what else did he put in there? Uh, Mexico State, a couple teams like that's adding more teams. So go and read that. It's always fun. Or he brings up the quadrant. So if you remember the old WAC, there was a quadrant system. So buyer beware if you're reading that, I guess, if you want PTSD of those flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Games. But yeah, go check out his piece. It's really informative. It's good. But we'll see what happens. The uh, Who knows what happened? Because if it also, I didn't mention this could be next year. So this could be a super fast process. So all right, let's take a quick break here and we'll get to the schedules. Um, yeah, have listened to some sort of a commercial and yeah, have fun. All right, Matt, Matt can I call you Matthew for a moment? Is that okay? Of course. All right, Matthew, let's talk about scheduling. Let's finally, do it. finally, after I wait forever to put it toward the end of the show, we're gonna talk about the 2018 Mountain West schedule, which is finally released. At, like you said, better late than never. And it it's here and time to dive in and dissect. We have our Fresno State post up by you. We'll have our Colorado State um, schedule breakdown shortly. Every other team, and we have the top ten Bayou Converse games. So, where do you want to start? Do you want to talk with your Fresno State team, or just the? Uh, what's your first thing you noticed at the schedule? I guess let's start there. It's the first thing I noticed, and and I'm sure that anybody who looks at Fresno State's schedule is going to notice this as well. November 10th, November 17th, at Boise State, home versus San Diego State. Oh boy. No other team in the conference has anything like that, which I think is both really fascinating, but also obviously the kind of challenge that, you know, for a team that has about as high as aspirations as anybody in the conference, you know, that's a, that's not an easy thing to do. It is not. And especially for a team where we're thinking they should be uh, possibly preseason champs or division. Yeah, they're, they're definitely in the conversation. And I mean, you know, before that, you know, obviously they're they're gonna have a little bit of a gauntlet to run through a non conference play as well, with you know, back to back road games at Minnesota at UCLA. You know, and obviously those two teams aren't, you know, quite as as good as, as Alabama and Washington were. But winning on the road is never easy, especially when it comes to traveling to, you know, a power five program back east or something like that. So, it, you know, they're not going to be able to let up through non-conference play. And then, you know, and just looking at the schedule, it, it doesn't really ease up until like late October because I do expect that the trip to Nevada to open up conference play could trip them up, you know, if they're not careful. You know, Wyoming is going to be ready to play on defense, even if the offense still has a little, some questions going into spring ball. And, it's, and, and that, you know, that back-to-back in November is going to be really killer. And while... You know, obviously it'll be nice to get the finale against San Jose State. Not an easy road to travel if you're a Bulldogs fan. It is not. They got um, – no, it's schedule is 
makes it very difficult for a couple different reasons. But it's the again, like I I must have missed that point. I saw they played Boise late. I was looking at the end of year stuff, but geez, at least one of those is a home game, right? That's gonna be the one positive. It's not back to back road games. They do get back to back home games to close out the year, which leads to one of the other observations that you know is true of every team in the conference this year. Nobody's gonna have to worry about BCS computers this time. Yeah, that's my first notice. The final, not just final week, the final two weeks are cross-divisional games. Or no, 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 excuse me. No, sorry, sorry. Jeez, I blew it. Divisional games. <laughs> you have no BYU mucking up the schedule, no non-conference game week, final two weeks. Every game is a conference game, which could really theoretically be a semifinal of sorts for some of these matchups. And, you know, and when you look at, you know, Boise State, for instance, I think that you know, being able to get those last two games against division opponents might be the kind of thing that works out in their favor because those last two opponents happen to be New Mexico and Utah State. You know, and New Mexico is obviously working through a lot of issues right now. Oh. Utah State looks like they could, you know, take a leap forward, you know, if they are able to put things together on both sides of the ball. Their schedule is really interesting, though, too, because... You know, obviously their non-conference schedule is, is as tough as it usually is, you know, at Troy, home versus UConn, and at Oklahoma State in September. But I think it's notable that they get both of their, you know, toughest interdivision games at home. You know, they get San Diego State at home. They get Fresno State at home. They get Colorado State at home. They get BYU at home. You know, BYU is probably going to be a little better than they were last year. So... You know, Boise, no surprise, odds on favorite probably to win the conference. And it's not as though they have an easy schedule to, to get back to the top of the mountain. But I think it does help that they do get most of their toughest games on the blue turf. No, that's all. Yeah, if you have those home games, it's like they play. Like you mentioned, we got, uh, yeah, sorry. The whole, yeah, home games for them is, uh, duh, clearly an advantage for them. One other thing I wanted to look at. Obviously, one thing if you haven't heard, we week zero CSU watch or not Washington Hawaii play in Fort Collins to give Hawaii a bye. Did we ever? So did we find out when Hawaii's bye week is now because they're not playing thirteen in a row? Hawaii's bye week is November tenth, so that would be <laughs> so that they really didn't do, that really didn't do one, too much two, for them, did three, it? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They play 11 games, and then they get a week off, and then they get their last two games against Dude. UNLV and San Diego State. Man, schedule makers, couldn't you help them out? They did a favor, giving you a conference game week zero. Why can't you give them a bye week like Halloween at least? Come on. Well, I mean, I think what's really interesting is going through to that bye week, you know, at least what they can look forward to is not having to have back-to-back road trips. You know, that three-week spell beginning with November 3rd with Utah State, you know, they get a home game, they get the bye week, and then they get the home game against UNLV before hitting on the, hitting the road to close out the year. So, you know, it's it's not ideal, but, you know, they don't have to make that many long trips. You know, obviously, you know, Colorado State's a little bit far, but they do get Navy at home. They get Rice at home. You know, they you know, travel to San Jose in Fresno oh, State, but that's a and, little easier than having to travel. You're missing one. Army. They go to West Point. Yeah. Oh, I that's think. That's true. 
Yeah. That, I mean, that is kind of the one long trip they have to make. But, you know, their travel is not quite as arduous as, as it has been in the last couple of years. Yeah, you're not going which, to Sydney. <laughs> yes. And, and when you're considering that, you know, this is a team that's reloading, especially on offense with new quarterback, you know, new running back, you know, trying to put the pieces back together after what was a disappointing year last year. You know, I, I think if they can get off to maybe like a like a three and two, even a two and three start, three and three after the San Jose State game, you know, I think that's within the realm of possibility. And I think that being able to stagger those trips, you know, away from home, which really aren't that far away from home mm-hmm. with, you know, bringing teams to the islands could make them a little more potent than they might have looked last year. There is that. Yeah, that's I did notice through no back to back road games, which I guess technically they had it last year, but they had the off week. But no, they they're what? Yeah, yeah, they had a, a little bit of time off because they went from Sydney to was it Tucson or Ann Arbor? Mm-hmm. Whatever they had three road. That was just a mess last year where they had the schedule and what they're doing. One thing I do like about the schedule: a, a, a decent amount of rivalry games the final week of the season because you have Utah State, Boise State, which that's kind of a rival. You have a. Uh, CSU and Air Force, not the bronze boot, but still pretty good. You got the, the, the cannon. Ram Falcon trophy. That's right, Ram Falcon. You got the Fremont Cannon. And Matt, mm-hmm. is San Jose State, Fresno State, any sort of rivalry? They do have the Valley Trophy, yes. Okay. So that's, that's pretty. In Hawaii and San Diego State, just a long time opponent. So that's pretty good. It's better than having what we had last year, but for the most part, like uh, Hawaii, BYU, just some random games. The only thing I would like to change was maybe switch up Air Force and Hawaii. That'd be nice. Have them, or not Hawaii, but um, Wyoming. Sorry, my brain's fried here tonight. I have, high, I have Hawaii highlighted on my screen here for some reason. But huh. it's better than past games they had where it's like, let's have um, UNLV play uh, Air Force final week or San, San Jose State play um, Boise State. It's like, come on. We want the games. Sorry to bring this up, but like Fresno, well, it is Fresno, San Jose State because, sorry, 2013 still brings back haunted memories two weeks in a row. Yeah, it's okay. You good now? I am. All right, so it's also the schedule. There's no TV times yet. So we don't know much of anything. There are a couple. What they? Oh, what they did notice? We didn't bring a ball. And the lack of non-Saturday games. That's true. There were only two of them, at least with regards to you know conference play. You know, one of them I pointed out in the article about the top games in you know in in 2018. Because there is a Friday night tilt between Colorado State at Boise State, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be endlessly interesting, especially if Colorado State can get off to a really good is start. It? In their... I, don't know. I mean, I think I think it could be because, you know, if they can come into that game 2-0 and in conference play, you know, they go to San Jose State and then they're home for New Mexico before mm-hmm. they travel to Boise. You know, they could be playing with something at stake. And, it's, and, and they might get, you know, Boise might get more of a challenge than they expect because, you know, their own, you know, conference opening schedule is not that easy, you know, at Wyoming, home versus San Diego, and then at Nevada before they host the Rams. So, you know, obviously they're going to get Colorado State's best shot one way or another, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the games before that look like, you know, how physical those games end up having to be you know, where they end up in the standings at that point, because I think there is a point, I think there is a possibility where, you know, they're playing for the inside track to the Mountain Division once again. Yeah, the, those two teams are, even with, like, Colin Hill taking over quarterback, losing Michael Gallup, 
losing um is it Dalen Dawkins who's gone or is he Matthews the running back no it's da- no Dawkins was a senior okay so Dawkins is gone but they have guys like Marvin Kinsey Rashard Body back there so the defense obviously has to get better they have a new DC and OC I, Rams are gonna be I don't know Rams are rebuilding but I don't think they'll be that much of a step back with Hill because he is probably better than Nick Stevens when he played or he was because that's the reason he got the starting job for a while so and also, one thing that always come up, Rams have never beaten Boise State since they joined the conference. So, that's always something to look very, forward to. Very, very true. Did you see, um, I think it was Michael Katz, Idaho Statesman, he replied to the Rams official account that Rams had uh, four images. What should be our new header be? He sent out a screenshot of Brian Hurston, both arms in the air, with the score at the bottom after they're coming from behind victory. Well, did you see the press release that Boise State put out? Today? Yeah, no, because yeah, they you know they had the they had the image with their schedule and everything like that. But if you clicked on the article that was talking about the schedule, I think it was Dave Southorn who who noticed it that mm-hmm. you know within the press release it talked about you know um, it was in reference to the San Diego State game that's at, at uh, Albertson Stadium, mm-hmm. and they they were talking about San Diego State makes the trip to the blue turf, and it says something like you know a field with lots of mystique. <laughs> and it was just like shots across the bow, and I was like, I love this. I, what, what's that reference to? Mystique? What is, is there? Just, some... just the just the fact that Boise's really good at home. Oh, okay. And, I, and they and they thrashed the Aztecs a year ago. Yeah, a field filled. A field filled with mystique. Come on, who's writing this? Come on. Well, no, I, I mean, I I might have misquoted it, but it's no, 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 I did, no, 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 The, the no. word mystique was there. No, no, no. I'm reading directly. Here, the reason I stumble, I'm reading. Here's what it says. The Broncos' first conference game on the blue. I thought they trademarked blue turf. Why aren't these in blue turf? On the blue, a field filled with mystique will be played October 6th against San Diego State. Like, who puts field filled? Like, that's just bad writing. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, whatever. And maybe I'm, maybe I don't I don't think that's as insight, whatever you guys think it is, but it's, uh, I'm just stuck on the field filled. <laughs> um, Let's go to your list, your top 10 list of games. Let's move on to there. So you okay. put down your 10. This is conference games. We will do some ranking or breakdown of non-conference games. So, And the schedule is, of course, everything, not just non, not just conference games, but non-conference as well. It's everything. Mm-hmm. So you put 10 games. Um, clearly, um, well, let's you explain the list. How did you come up with this? What was your thought behind your ranking? Because this is a – if you're upset, at Matt K underscore FS on Twitter. So if you feel disrespected, let him know how you feel. Okay, so some of it had to do with, you know, when the game fell in the schedule. So, you know, if I thought that there was a possibility that there could be higher stakes involved, you know, one of the things you might notice is that, you know, some of the higher ranked games are ones that happen a little bit later in the year rather than earlier in the year. But I also think that there's just like some compelling, you know, even if they aren't necessarily rivalries, you know, the potential for you know, really explosive games or really memorable games, you know, things like that, you know, some maybe unexpected trap games, things like that. So like the first game on the list, for instance, at number 10, I put New Mexico at Air Force and they play on November 10th. And the only reason I put that there is that if you look at what these two teams have done in the last two years, you know, their lowest combined point total was 66 points. Last year, they put up 94 points combined. And so, you know, even if both of these teams aren't going to be, you know, among the handful of top contenders in the conference, 
they know how to put on an offensive display. And that was part of the reason why I chose a game like that, because it's always been fun. And, you know, those are the kinds of games that a lot more fans should pay attention to. All right. So what's next on your list then? So the next, you mentioned it a little bit ago, but the week zero game, Hawaii at Colorado State. Um, I thought that it was interesting because, you know, when was the last time we had, you know, a conference game in week zero? You know, most often it's been, never, you know, like you said, Hawaii traveling to, to Australia or Mars or wherever <laughs> for, for a college football game. But I think that there's, you know, for a Colorado State team especially that is kind of, you know, licking their wounds after last year's disappointment, you know, being able to get off on the right foot at home against a beatable opponent is going to be important. But also that Hawaii is going to be, you know, they 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 struggled a little more on the road last year than they did in 2016. But I don't think you can discount them entirely. And it's going to be really interesting what hap- to see what happens if the Warriors are able to pull an upset, like how the narrative changes for both of those teams. And, you know, a little bit similarly at number eight on October 13th, you know, I chose UNLV at Utah State just because. You know, if you remember our podcast from about a month ago, we were talking about dark horse teams in the conference. And it's they meet at the kind of juncture where, you know, whoever wins the game could, you know, either be on their way to bowl eligibility or it could be a matter of, you know, being new able coach. to. Yeah, or, or it could be a new coach or it just could be, you know, keeping pace with whoever's, you know, at the front of the division, you know. UNLV, let's not forget, beat Fresno State last year. And if they, you know, they would face them a few weeks later. And then, you know, if Utah State can come out on top, you know, they do get back-to-back road games at the end of the year against CSU and Boise State. So I think this game has, you know, similar kinds of offensive potential as New Mexico and Air Force. But I also think that it's kind of like a bellwether for both of these teams as to how far along in their rebuilding or reloading process they are. You know, if they want to be taken seriously as contenders, they're going to have to win that game. One game I like you noticed on there, Nevada and Fresno State at Reno. Yeah. And I mean, I thought that was interesting because Nevada, by the end of last year, obviously didn't always show up in the win column. Pew, 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 shootouts. (laughs) Yeah, they looked a lot different from at the end of the year than they did at the beginning of the year. And I think that when you consider Fresno State is opening conference play at Reno, maybe one of the trickier opening, you know, salvos in conference play that there is. So obviously the Bulldogs are going to, you know, they're going to be ready for them. But it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, if the defense can clamp down on the air raid offense the same way that they did last year. And as I'm looking over my list, I just realized I put – UNLV at Utah State twice. Oh, you did? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so, TV, TBD number six, I guess. Uh, oh, that's okay. That's that's fine. My bad. Um, okay, so let's replace that then. We should replace it right now. So, okay. you, know, you know what it should be? Um, what it should be? Your, your lack of Nevada is not is – not, you're not my friend for not having as many Nevada games on the list as you should. Okay, so then what game would you put on there? It's a Nevada game. These are conference games. Um, I would go, based on last year, Colorado State in Nevada. I think it's a good I think it's a good game, yeah. Or Boise State. They're both home games. Here's the thing about for Nevada, why I kind of like if you listen to one of our super duper early dumb preview upset pick shows, my uh, super upset pick is Nevada to be in the conference title game. 
And I just realized this now, and I probably should put noted it before. Fresno, Boise, San Diego State, and Colorado State are all at home. Interestingly enough, all of those games, those four home games, are all within a six-week span. They are. And that also includes a trip to Hawaii without a bye week. Yeah, and the, and the Rams game, by the way, both of those teams will be coming off of a bye mm-hmm. for that game, which I think is, you know, adds a little bit of intrigue as well. That is. So that's a. Uh, but here, look at this stretch, though. Seriously, Fresno home, Boise home, at Hawaii, back to San Diego State at home. Not easy for a team on the on the upswing. No, but I, I think you could add, a, add another Nevada game. I think either Boise or CSU would be a. Uh, I guess for hype purposes, for the better game, probably Boise State. But also the way the CSU game was last year, it was, what, 45-42, I believe, something like that. Yeah. Some, a lot of points, that was amazing. So I would pick either of those Nevada games could fit perfectly fine. Yeah. I, well, you know what? I will count on you to make that edit then. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I, I'll, I, do it. I'll do it later. No. I'll do it later. <laughs> That's okay. I, I gave you some help. I gave you the game. One of the two games has got to make a choice. But then, you know, speaking of Colorado State, I have them at both five and four in back-to-back weeks. We talked about the the Friday night game against the Broncos. I have that one at number five. At number four, I have the following week's game at home against Wyoming. Yeah, the bronze boot. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll get a repeat of Snowpocalypse. You never know. The Snowball. Yeah, and I think that it'll, you know, it'll be kind of like a crucible for Mike Bobo, you know, can he win a rivalry game, you know, a year after really struggling in a lot of those instances? Uh, not a year. Try the career's worth at Colorado State winning a rivalry or bowl game. But especially last year. Oh, no kidding. The, the way, like, I hyped him up. A lot of people hyped him up. They'll be a great team. And then they just kind of fizzled out a little bit. They started off good, but then they – I'm not saying the Boise State game was the reason why they fumbled or just kind of fell back, but they just lost something. Yeah, and then the – the final trio of games is probably what you'd expect it to be. Kind of the, the triumvirate of games between the, the conference's top three teams. Number three, I put San Diego State at Fresno State uh, on November 17th. Uh, number two, October 6th, San Diego State at Boise. And number one, the battle for the milk, clan, milk can on the blue turf. Boom. Which is Fresno State... At Boise. At Boise. Again. Round three. Sure, we can do that. Yeah, round three. Three times in two years. Go for it. Maybe. They're still looking for their first one on the blue turf, too. That's right. And maybe four if things play right. That's very true. So do you have a particular week you like out of the schedule? You know what? I didn't really take that close of a look at the weeks like for a conference week is there anything like the last two weeks are nice how they're set up um i don't know do you, i i i'm kind of throwing this on on myself as well because i didn't look that thorough about each week by week i was busy today so i posted this article quickly and then you went down week the fresno top 10 games and then we have the csu up but i would say like if we go by mostly conference games um i don't know those final two weeks are probably the way they should be because you have, like, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe the final. I could see maybe the final week of the year. We've already kind of went over that with it being um, divisional games. Not to worry about stupid computers coming up. But you could argue uh, here's an interesting week as well that's probably underrated. But be, I, it's a Nevada game, so maybe that's why I'm going for it as well. But October 27th, you see where the games that are going on that week? I do. 
Boise at Air Force because well, Air Force has beat Boise a couple times of late. New Mexico, Utah State, it's because um, that could be the um, new coach bowl, maybe. There could be a, a hot seat bowl. Loser leaves town bowl. If Bob Davey is still the coach by then, which I'm still skeptical about. Mm-hmm. You have the bronze boot, Hawaii at Fresno. It's always an interesting game. Aztecs at Reno playing Nevada because, um, like I mentioned before, you got Nevada's offense. And UNLV at San Jose State, that's probably the worst game. But that's um, off the cuff. That's probably That could be one of the better weeks, I'm thinking, for conference-only games. I do think that November 10th is quite strong because not only do you get the battle for the milk can, mm-hmm. not only do you get round two between Colorado State and Nevada, not only the potential point explosion between New Mexico and Air Force, but, you know, San Jose State versus at Utah State should be an interesting game. And, you know, UNLV at San Diego State, you know, kind of another harbinger for how far along the Rebels have come. Armani Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I was just yeah, trying to figure out a few different weeks so i guess i think just... that i think it's like i think that there's at least one or two really good games every week and that there's no one week that stands out because of it that could be it too like even going to like uh, september 29th you have uh for conference games boise at wyoming that's going to be interesting what they've done in the past two years nevada air force because last year's nevada air force game had about 85 points combined that's true and then like october 6th uh, aztecs at broncos you have uh Fresno at Nevada, which I pointed out earlier. And then week October 13th, you have games like, uh, well, maybe October 13th is not the best example, but <laughs> but Air Force standing a state. That's, Air Force is always solid, and we had the rain game last year. That's probably, it could be like one of the weakest ones, but that's still Air Force standing a state. And you also, and yeah, that's not bad. And then October 19th, 20th, um, Boise CSU that Friday night you mentioned. You got for, um, Nevada at Hawaii, which is always some sort of intrigue. Um, there, yeah, there's hardly any weeks where it's like, oh, do I have to watch this game or care about this game? But there's always there's going to be at least one game that looks like that's like, yeah, we got to watch it. It's going to be a tune-in TV, whether it be Aztecs and Nevada, like we mentioned, or like even Utah State at Hawaii. Weird stuff happens on the island, folks. Stay up late for those games. So in conclusion, what you're saying overall is that any weekend with Mountain West football <laughs> is a good weekend of football. Any weekend with football. Yes, that, that that's the conclusion, and that's what we came out to do. Come out, come out to say there are some better than others, but there's not a bad week. Thank you for listening to Mountain West Wire, the feel good football podcast. Hey, we'll come at you. We'll come That's at true. you. Hey, Bob Davey, you're not going to be the coach anymore because your stupid lawyer wants to um, say the suspension isn't worthy again. I tried to tell you. I'm telling you. Did you see real quick? We'll wrap this up in a second, but the guys over at Dave, Daniel Libet over at NM Fishbowl, there's a former defensive back who wrote a letter directly to him, like, here, you can release this letter, who basically outed Bob Davey for what's going on. And I did see that. For those who haven't read it, I tweeted out there. I think it's on our Facebook. But follow just follow nmfishbowl.com. They don't post all the time, but follow him on Twitter. Daniel does a great job. And he's been on one of our recent podcasts, about two weeks old, but still very relevant. And Lobo fans who don't like him, sorry, folks. It's I don't want a coach that wants to cover up sexual assault. So that's just me, but just saying. I don't want that stuff to happen. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that accountability matters. Like, winning isn't everything. And so while, you know, I feel for New Mexico fans who fear that they might backslide, you know, if if Davey ends up getting the axe, you know, in reading the article, it just seems like, you know, I think it was one of, you know, what I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we talked about it last, you know, that toxic communication, 
I'm just I feel like more and more just doesn't have a place in the modern game. You know, there are mm-hmm. too many teams, you know, too many coaches, too many opportunities to just hire someone who knows how to communicate more effectively in a way that enables players to succeed. Yeah, it's like you could like I mentioned before we get to the Stacey thing at CS2, he's finally, quote, resigned. But it's like like I said before in this podcast with Eli, like there's a difference between just yelling for motivation and yelling to be personal or overdoing it, like the talk, throwing something discussed, like throwing a clipboard down the ground or water bottle, whatever, that's not that big a deal. But like from the letter itself, he's like, I can't tell you the number of times he has told players to shut the F up or has even grabbed players. Like he's like, I believe that someone needs to be at our practice the entire time. Basically to babysit him. And like and then and Bob Davies had to lied a million times, like change his story every time. With this DB, uh, oh, what is it? Sorry, I gotta wrap this up here. Boatwright, who's a DB, he basically said like, oh, he like Bob Davies said was ready to take him to court to not give him a scholarship release, or he's like, oh, he left because of academics. I think I think that's what it says. It basically changed the mind exactly. Oh yeah, Boatwright left because of academic issues. What Davies said, but two weeks later. The, the Albuquerque Journal reported that, um, told Rick Wright to clarify, Bo Wright actually left because he's unhappy. So we don't need to dive into this, but I've seen too many times Bob Davey contradict himself or just flat out lie. So I don't think he'll be the coach next year. So that's all I'm saying. And this guy, Jaden Boatwright, basically started, the letter was written August 9th of last year. So. I mean, I think he should be commended for stepping up. It was surely a difficult situation. Yeah, for sure. It's like, especially in their line, you see all what stuff's going on. It's like, not to say it the first time, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's like, maybe he's like, oh, it's just me. That's all. Maybe I'm being overly sensitive or it's not a big deal. Which, if he takes it that way, fine. If he doesn't, that's fine. But when he sees all this other stuff coming out, it's like, no, I need to say something. So, but uh, we'll have more of that as well. I had that phone ring, phone call there. If you heard in the background, I got to take off. So, thank you for listening. Hour in, obviously, excellent during March 1st here. But check us out, mwire.com. That's our show and website that we're discussing in the moment. I said a visitor into my room. So check us out, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, all that fun stuff. And, folks, always, see you next time.